Our second scripture reading is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 18. And it's about the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah was very unpopular among the government officials of his day. Uh, he was certainly not popular with King Ahab and his uh, wife, Queen Isabel, and he often challenged them. He also challenged the priests of Baal, the Canaanite Phoenician god of fertility and weather. And one day, Elijah challenged the priests to a duel. Let's set up a whole bunch of altars with sacrifices and see whose god consumes it first. Make a long story short, Elijah won, and then he proceeded to kill 400 priests of Baal. That's the context of the story that I'm about to share with you now. So we're going to hear what happened next. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. And he looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Then you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. 
Whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. So please raise your hand if you have ever been, let's take out the word. Please raise your hand if you have been ordained as a ruling elder, a deacon, or a minister in the Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. Easily, easily, I would say two-thirds, if not three-quarters of the people in this room. Every single one of us answered the same set of questions when we were ordained. My favorite is, will you serve the church with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? It's a great question. It's actually a question I think every organization should ask its employees. Carrie and I were talking about this last week, about how hard it is to find good employees, ones who, first of all, actually show up. That's an issue these days. They bring their best. They care about the organization. And they develop a true love for their work and the people in the organization they work with and for. I think any organization wants people who serve with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. But energy fades. We get tired. There's too many demands on our time and energy and not enough time and energy to do all that we need to or even want to do. And when you are tired or anxious and overwhelmed, your brain actually starts to shut down and you are not able to access your full capacities for thinking and creativity. And love. Love is an action where we give of ourselves for others. And if your cup is empty, you simply don't have anything to give. Now, you may think I'm talking about me, because in 10 days, I'm taking off on a renewal leave, a three-month renewal leave. But the reality is, this could be any of us. Even retired people might say they have a hard time serving with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love because of what's going on in your life. So if this rings a bell even slightly for you, you are in good company. The prophet Elijah, he was in direct conflict with the king of Israel and with King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Queen Jezebel put a price on his head and Ahab sent bounty hunters to track him down. It was too much for him. He was depressed, he was exhausted, I think he was burnt out, and he gave up. He'd reached the point. He didn't have the energy. His intelligence had shut down, his imagination had shut down, and he had nothing left to give. So he ran away, literally ran away into the wilderness. And when he got there, he was so exhausted, he fell asleep. I have a feeling that everything he'd been carrying, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the worry, all the fear, when he ran away and had a chance to sit down, it all just settled in his body, and his body said, okay, enough. And so he fell asleep, waking up only to eat and drink, and then falling asleep again. One of the most beautiful parts of this whole story is that God let him sleep. God sent an angel to bring food and water. God did not say, why are you running away? 
I have work for you to do. God did not uh, give him some new divine calling and say, I need you to do this, this, and this. God just let this exhausted man sleep and gave him food and water. When was the last time you allowed yourself to simply sleep? I'm not talking about going to bed at night, but just simply not do anything and just let everything go to the side, even for just a little while. When was the last time you left your worries behind and just rested? When was the last time you filled your cup? Most of us have a hard time doing that thanks to, to this little thing right here. <laughs> Elijah did not have a cell phone. At least he didn't have that to deal with. But, of course, he did have a, you know, a head of state out to kill him. So I, I guess there is that. But we are so tethered to those things that demand stuff of us and don't give anything back. And we give that cell phone and all of these other demands so much power over our lives that we end up sacrificing our lives to things that really aren't worth sacrificing our lives for. So how do we step back and get a better perspective? Take that break and put things in context again. We could just run away like Elijah did probably not the most productive thing we could do. But can we find ways to build renewal into our own lives? Now, I have to admit, I'm fortunate. I get a three-month renewal leave. So I could come back after resting and reflecting and renewing so I could be refreshed for another season of ministry with you. I've never had a renewal leave or a sabbatical before in all of my career. I was talking with Charles about this last week. He's had four of them in his career. One of them was nine months long. And I'm thinking, I didn't negotiate very well when I took this job. Although, honestly, I can't imagine being gone for nine months. It's weird enough thinking about being gone for three months. But the reality is, is most of us never get that chance unless you save up years of vacation to, to put it all together. But that doesn't mean that you also don't deal with burnout and exhaustion and stress. And so the question becomes, if you can't take a three-month or nine-month renewal leave, how do you build that into your life? How do you make sure that you are filling up your cup so you can still serve with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? I think we all need to find ways to stop and to rest. Even Jesus made a point of stepping away from the constant demand on his time and energy to withdraw to a deserted place to pray to fill his cup. Simple fact is, if we don't find ways to do that, our bodies will make us do that. And if we don't find ways to do that, we won't have anything to give. We will be empty. So I want to invite you during the three months I am on renewal leave to find a way to build renewal into your own lives. I want to invite you to find one thing you can do, a new habit you can do, an old one you've kind of let slip by the side, something you can do that will fill your cup. 
For me, it's photography. If any of you are on my Facebook page, you see the last six months or so, I've been taking a lot of, of day trips to do photography. About once a week right now, I'm getting up early and I'm going to a conservation area in Missouri to get there for sunrise. Very early trip. Linda opts not to go with me. I don't know who's smarter. Um, but there's a family of eagles there that I've just been watching growing up through the last couple months. And they have their favorite trees that they hang out in. So I drive down there and I just sit by those trees and I have my camera and I just park myself there. And that time down there is wonderful because I feel connected with God down there. I'm connected with nature. It fills me up. I'm engaged in one of my passions. And when I have my camera in my hand, literally everything else fades away. What is one thing you can do that would do that for you? Is there a hobby you've been neglecting? Maybe get up and take a walk in the morning, leave your cell phone at home. Play with your kids, play with your grandkids, play with your dog. Set up a weekly coffee with friends. What is one thing you can do for these next three months that will fill your cup? And then ask someone to hold you accountable to that. Because let's be honest, when things are busy and stressful, usually the first thing that we stop doing is that very thing that helps us cope when we're busy and stressed. So ask someone to hold you accountable for this practice that you will do for the next three months. Now after a while, the angel says to Elijah, it's time to get up. So Elijah travels to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai. It's a place Moses hung out with God during the wilderness wanderings. And so Elijah gets up, he goes to Mount Horeb, and when he gets there, God gives him another gift. He listens. God listens to Elijah. He says, what are you doing here? Two times gives Elijah the opportunity to just like vomit out all of his stress and everything that he feels so wronged about. And honestly, as you listen to what he said, you realize he wasn't quite getting all the facts right, but it doesn't change the fact that's how he felt. God gives him the chance to just vomit that out, and God just listens, doesn't say anything, just listens. And then God says, go stand out on the mountain. And we're so familiar with this part of the story. So great wind, God wasn't in the wind. Great earthquake, God wasn't in the earthquake. A fire, God wasn't in the fire. And then the sound of sheer silence. By the way, God was not in the sound of sheer silence either. But that silence created space for Elijah to hear God. That's when Elijah went out and had his encounter. I think Jesus was on to something when he stepped away from the chaos and the storms and the demands on his time to find that quiet place to pray. When we step away from the storms that swirl around us, we gain perspective. When you're in the midst of them, it's hard to see that big picture. It's hard to really kind of get that sense of what it's all about or what might be possible. Usually, the more intense the storm is, the more stressful our lives. We're just thinking about that next foot right in front of us and maybe the one past that. And so often we end up saying, if I can only make it two, 
pick whatever hump you need to get to and get over to feel like you'll be okay on the other side. Problem is that the storms don't often stop at the top of that hump. You often find them still on that other side. So you got to step away and get yourself some perspective there. Put a little distance between you and the energy of those storms. And then you're in a better place to see where God might be active. What is God doing? How is God calling you to enter back into that storm in a different way? When Elijah stepped away, he found a renewed focus for his work. He still went back into the storm, but he was clear about what his purpose was. He was clear about what his focus was because God still had work for him to do. He was, in this case, to anoint a new king for Israel and a new king for Aram, which, by the way, he actually never did. <laughs> um, I can't say I blame him. Who wants to confront the powers that be that way? But most importantly, he was to find and anoint Elisha to be his successor. This might have been the most important gift that Elijah got in this whole story. He realized he didn't have to do it alone. And so when he left, he didn't go find the new king of Aram and the new king of Israel. He went and he found Elisha. And Elisha apprenticed under him and grew to the point that he was able to take over when Elijah finally left. We are in ministry together. We help and we support each other. One of the things our session is going to do while I'm gone is some leadership development. And I'm kind of jealous I'm actually not going to be here to take part of that because I love leadership development. But it's one way the session is answering that question, where is God calling us? How is God calling us to be active together? Specifically, there, we're both going to be asking the question, what does the church need from its leaders and what do the leaders need from the church to have a fruitful ministry together? So I'm going to come back to the session having worked on that question myself. They're going to be working on that question while I'm gone. When I come back, we will share what we have learned. We will share how we've grown and we will be in a better place to lead the church in the years to come. We are not in this alone. We are meant to work together and help each other. But I think we all know that the more stressful life gets, the more we tend to pull inward. And when we step back, we have that opportunity to look outward again. So in a way, renewal leaves are all about questions. What do you need from me and what do I need from you for us to have a fruitful ministry together? so we can fulfill God's calling in this time and place. What am I going to do and what are you going to do to plug into that source of life and fill our cups? What will help each of us serve with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Those are the questions I will be asking for the next three months, and I hope you will too.
May we use this time well. Amen.